0: Month We're in the month of May here, and uh, Sunday nights, who's looking forward to this prayer series by pastor? That's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. And um, we're going to start a series on Sunday mornings called Things Jesus Never Said. We're going to look at some different things that... I mean, Jesus never said them. And, uh, you know, it may be humorous at times, but overall, uh, there's some misconceptions about things that Jesus said or things the Bible said, and we're going to clear some things up. So today's going to be part one of that. And if you need an outline for this sermon, uh, raise your hand. and One of these ushers here will give you one. All right. Look at these guys. These guys are doing a great job. Let's give a hand to these guys. Amen. All right. Very good. Very good. Well, I am excited about this. Um, Today, part one of this series, Things Jesus Never Said, part one is this. According to your need, be it done unto you. According to your need, be it done unto you. And and you're probably thinking, well, okay, what what exactly does that mean? Well, listen, having a bad need or a, a problem of some kind is not what gets your, your prayers answered. It's not enough to just have a problem because there's plenty of problems to go around, right? Anyone, anyone else notice that? That there's no shortage of problems and, and you know, maybe if you don't have any problems right now, just, just wait and, and something dumb will happen, alright? You know what I mean? And I'm not confessing bad things over you, but it's not enough To see the power of God just because you have problems and needs, that's not what happens. Jesus doesn't just automatically come down and fix everything for you without anything happening on your part. And so we're going to explain some of that this morning. uh, Today we're going to see what it takes to get Jesus to fix our problems. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good idea? Hey, listen, if I've got problems, I want answers. And I know where to find the answers every single time. So let's go ahead and open in prayer this morning. We're going to get things started and we're going to see what it takes to get answers to the problems that we have. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for an awesome, awesome church family here gathered together today, Lord. Uh, Lord, we just pray that as we're reading our Bibles, as we're studying your word, that you're going to speak to each heart here, God. You know what each one of us is facing. You know what each one of us is going to look at when we, we leave these doors today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll speak to our hearts and give us the answers that we need to succeed in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. All right. So the first thing we're going to say today is this. Number one is that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. He is full of compassion. And, and if things don't seem to be getting any better for you in your life, it's not because Jesus doesn't care. Jesus cares. Jesus sees what you're going through. He's not been blinded. He's not at this place where he just doesn't care about your problem. Jesus is the most compassionate, wonderful being that's ever existed. Jesus is full of love, mercy, grace and compassion. So if things just aren't going your way or if things aren't working out right now, it is not because Jesus doesn't care. And it's not because Jesus doesn't see what you're going through. One of the greatest character traits of christianity and i was thinking about this one of the greatest character traits of christianity is this is compassion christians are a very compassionate group of people now there may be you know we've all maybe met a few of the less compassionate ones you ever met you know someone that said they're a christian but they don't act very much like jesus i mean i've seen a couple of those but overall generally speaking christians are great compassionate people You know, I, I hear people complain all the time about, well, you know, the church, there's these people and that people and there's hypocrites. Man, shut all that up. Seriously. Listen. Christianity, Christians have done more over the last couple thousand years than any other group. We've you know what I mean? We've fed more hungry. We've, we've adopted more orphans. We've, we've spread the gospel out more, just more than any other group in the world. Christians worldwide give over $700 billion a year to missions. What other groups doing that? You know, you don't see the Atheist or the Devil Society of America, you know, all these complaining about Christians being uncompassionate, man, that is a bunch of baloney. Christians are full of compassion and love. And I'm not just saying this church, we all are, but Christians worldwide, they do more. Can you imagine a day with with, if all the Christians just quit what we've been doing for the last couple thousand years? This place would be a, a, a mess. And guess what? That day is coming when all of us are going to be pulled out of here and then all hell is going to break loose in the world. And so I don't want to be here for that. So I I can imagine how crazy it would be if Christians just quit giving, if Christians just quit feeding the homeless and, and quit doing what they've been doing for thousands of years. That day is coming when Jesus pulls us out and this world will not know what to do. This world will not know what to do. But that's not my point today. My point is this, is that Jesus, our Savior, the one that we're trying to be more and more like every single day, one of the greatest things about Jesus is that he does care that he does love us, that he does see what we're going through. And sometimes I think we forget that, you know, that that, that Jesus, Jesus loves us. That's one of the most basic, fundamental things of the Bible. You know, the kids sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. But listen, it wouldn't hurt you to sing that every now and then to remind yourself that Jesus loves me. Even if everybody else thinks I'm mean and ugly and rude. Jesus, you love me and you're going to give me another chance today to make up for what I did yesterday. And so Jesus loves us. And and I'm telling you, he is full of compassion and he cares about what you're going through. So if things aren't going good right now, it's not because Jesus doesn't know about it or Jesus doesn't care or he just doesn't have any compassion for you. Let me show you a story here in Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14. And. We're going to see something here that Jesus himself was going through, but took time for others. Matthew chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And so Jesus had this cousin named John, John the Baptist and john as you know was a very wild man very very passionate guy i mean he was nuts and he was awesome lived out in the woods and ate locusts and honey and i mean just all kinds of crazy stuff but he was arrested and as as you may know that herod the king he had john beheaded cut his head off man and this is jesus cousin jesus cares about this guy They're friends he's one of the only people in the world that understood who jesus really was You know, Jesus went down to get baptized and John said, man, I can't do this. You should be baptized in me. I'm not worthy to do this. And Jesus said, hey, this is going to be done. Let's do this right now. And so Jesus had a connection with John, his cousin, and they loved each other, man. And here it is at a, at a, at a nasty, drunken party. A terrible, terrible incident. They cut John's head off. They bring it out on a tray in front of everybody. They're parading this, this man of God, his head around, just walking around like crazy. News gets to Jesus that, man, they they killed John they they cut his head off then Jesus hears about this and you got to realize man that Jesus lived on this earth as a human being he had emotions he he felt this he didn't just say oh well you know whatever i mean he felt this just like any of us would so Matthew chapter 14 verse 12 It says later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what happened. So Jesus gets the news. Verse 13. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. He needed to be by himself. For I would, too. I mean, I would want some time alone. And especially, man, you've got people all day, every day bringing their issues to you. And now you've got an issue of your own. And so he's like, I just need a little bit. I don't know. Just give me some time. He goes off to a remote area to be alone and and just gather himself for a minute. It says, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And so people from all over the place, they find out where Jesus is and he can't get. Five minutes alone. Next thing you know, there are thousands of people that have followed Jesus. And I mean, of course, we'd all do the same thing. If I knew, I would would do the same thing. But look at this. It says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He's I mean, can you imagine the boats? He's his boats coming in to where he's going to get off and spend a little time alone. And there's thousands of people standing right there waiting on him. What's going through his mind? Like, can I even just get a minute? I just ask for a minute. I'm not asking to, you know, forsake everybody. I'll never leave them or forsake them, but I need a few minutes by myself. And yet there's thousands waiting right here. And what does he do? Does he say, guys, just can't you handle your life for five seconds without me? Don't you know, parents, you ever say that to your kids? Like, give me a minute. And he probably felt like saying, can you guys just give me a minute? But no, he sees people hurting. He sees people sick. He sees people depressed. He sees people fighting. He sees all this stuff. And he comes down and says he had compassion on them, forgot about himself. And he went out and he healed all the sick that were right there. And if you look down at verses 20 through 21, Jesus ends up feeding them dinner that night feeds over 5,000 men, not including the women and children. So we're looking, I mean, an easy estimate of about 15,000 people easily that Jesus fed dinner to that night, all after having a pretty rough start to his day. Jesus cares about your needs. Jesus, can you imagine that? You've just got this news and then your 15,000 of your closest friends join you when you want just a minute alone. Can you imagine that? And you end up feeding them dinner. You end up praying for every single one of them and fixing their problems and and everything else. Even after all of that, because Jesus is full of compassion. Jesus cares about what you're going through and Jesus sees he's not blind. He knows what you're facing today. He cares. He's full of compassion. Listen, if things aren't going your way, it is not because Jesus doesn't care. Jesus cares about what you're going through. And I'm going to show you another instance. Flip over to chapter 15. Flip over to chapter 15. Jesus had a great food ministry, if you don't realize that. Man after my own heart. Jesus did not like to see people hungry. And so here he is, another instance, Matthew chapter 15. Look here at verse 32, Matthew 15, verse 32. So he'd been out preaching for days. It says, then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. I I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. And so he's been preaching to these people for like three days. And after that, I would say, listen, I've done more than my share to be nice to you people. Go get yourself some food. You take care of that. But Jesus, he cares so much that not only did he take care of them for three days. He's like, I need to feed these guys dinner because I don't don't want anybody to faint along the way. I mean, they've been listening. You know, I care about this. That's a lot more caring and compassionate than I probably am. I, you know what I mean? I'm not going to feed you all lunch after church today just because you listen to me, you know, go on for an hour here. All right? Not going to happen. And and so Jesus, he's more compassionate than anybody you know. Look down here. Uh, skip down to verse 35. Check this out. So Jesus told all the people to sit out on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted. Hallelujah. I come from a big family, and it's nice to get full at the end of dinner. Amen? Anyone else? Big family? Good. All right. Look at this. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. Leftovers. Jesus believes in leftovers. And so here we are. He not only fed all them, there's seven baskets of food left over. This is insane. But look how many people He fed this day. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and the children. So Jesus fed everybody there. One day He feeds 15,000, somewhere around there. The next day, probably 10, 12, 15,000 again. Jesus cares about our needs, no matter what it is we're going through. And what you got to realize is there's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy is just a feeling and emotion of, geez, I feel sorry for them. They're going through so much right now. Oh well, the game's on, let's go. Somebody order pizza, let's get this on. You know, that, that's sympathy. You feel bad for somebody for a few minutes. Jesus was not a sympathetic person. Jesus is a compassionate person because compassion puts action to sympathy. You feel something and then you do something about it. And so Christians, we don't need to be sympathetic people and just say, man, this is bad. Every, everybody everywhere, you know, there's hungry people, there's poor people, this is just awful. Do something about it, man. Have compassion And put some action to those feelings. And that's what Jesus was all about, was compassion. And so, yeah, in all these instances, Jesus saw the needs of thousands and thousands of people. Can you imagine how tired you would be preaching three days to 15,000 people? With no microphone, no, no sound system, do you realize how loud you'd have to yell and, and, and be loud you'd have to be for three days? And then you feed everybody? I mean, that is a completely selfless person. That's somebody that cares far more about others than himself. So as I'm saying right here, Jesus cares about what you're going through no matter how big or how small it is jesus cares about what you're going through so jesus has compassion if your problems aren't getting fixed it is not because he doesn't care it's not because he doesn't care because jesus does care and the second thing we're going to say today is this number two is that jesus has no favorites now that may blow some of your theology right out of the water because i know some of you think that you're jesus favorite. Listen, he likes you, but you're not his favorite. Jesus has no favorites. He loves all of us the same. And that's really, really good news because some of us deserve it less than others, right? But that's, hey, you know, that's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God is that Jesus loves all of us the same. He has no favorites. So if your problems aren't getting fixed, it's not because you're not on Jesus' favorites list on his iPhone. You know, he goes down through his contacts Got Tom here, Patty. Oh, no, not Susan. She's, she's on my regular. No, none of that, man. None of that. No, Jesus doesn't have a favorites list. Jesus loves everybody exactly the same. And so what this makes me think of, we talked about the book of Acts a little bit earlier. When the church was first founded, all right, when the church first started in the book of Acts, it was entirely made up of Jewish people. I mean, it was, it was 100% Jewish. There was the people that were born Jewish, and then there was proselytes. Those were people that were born of another race, but converted to Judaism. And so, it was, it was all Jewish people. And so they had a pretty hard time understanding that Jesus, He came for everybody, not just them. And it was just, it was just their line of thinking. It's just how they thought. And so, you know, it, Peter, being one of the great leaders of the church back then, him and all the other disciples, uh, they basically thought that only Jewish people could receive Jesus and end up going to heaven. And, you know, and to us, that sounds like, man, that's not fair. That stinks. But, but but let's look a little bit at this. So one day, Peter's up on his roof praying. That's probably a pretty good place to pray, by the way. I've been thinking about doing that myself. I've got a lot of kids. I get up on that roof, it's quiet. So I'm, think, I'm thinking about starting this, like the, the roof prayer club, if anyone else is in. We're talk about this. But anyway, he's up there. He's up on the roof praying about about lunchtime because it says he was waiting on his lunch to get fixed. So they're downstairs throwing a sandwich together. He's like, I'm going to step up for a few minutes and pray. So he's up there. And all of a sudden, the Bible says he, he falls into a trance and has a vision and he sees coming out of the sky this sheet and this sheet is full of different animals that he was forbidden to eat by Jewish law. You know, obviously pork of any kind, all these different things. And, and, and he's like, what is this? And this voice says, arise, Peter, kill these things and eat them. And he says, no, never. I've never disobeyed the Jewish law. I'm not going to do that. And the voice says to him, listen, what God has called clean, don't you call unclean. If God says it's okay, it's okay. And then this vision repeats itself three times. The sheet comes down. There's all these animals that he's just disgusted by because they wouldn't even touch a pig or anything. I mean, that's, ugh, that's, a, that's an insult and disgusting to a Jewish person. And so, and the voice keeps telling him, listen, if God says it's okay, it's okay. And he's like, okay, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. This is confusing to me. I've never heard anything like this. This is, this is mind-blowing. This, is, this makes no sense at all. And so ab- about that time... There's this man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius lived in another town. He was a Roman officer in the army. And Cornelius has a vision. Okay, Cornelius is not Jewish. He has a vision. And, and it says, listen, you need to go to this town called Joppa. There's a man there named Simon Peter. He's going to show you the way to the Lord. And he says, okay, all, all right. So, so Cornelius sends a couple of his workers over to Joppa. And, and they go around. And finally, they find, they find this house where there's a man named Simon Peter. Peter's up on the roof praying, you know, having some kind of transcend vision, and then they get Peter to come down and they tell him, "Listen, we came from the, we came from over here. Uh, our, our, our master Cornelius, our boss, he, he had this vision, and they just said to bring you to, to him. Will you go?" And Peter says, "Okay, yeah, I'll go." So Peter goes back to Cornelius' house, and I want you to turn to Acts chapter ten. Acts chapter ten, because. All of us in here should be thankful for the story we're getting ready to read. Acts chapter 10. And we're going to look here at verse 25. So Peter and all these guys, I mean, they are absolutely convinced that, hey, you know, we're Jewish. We're God's favorites. I'm sorry about everybody else. They just up the creek without a paddle. I don't know what to tell them. I mean, sorry, but no. Look at this. Acts chapter 10, verse 25. Acts 10, verse 25. So as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him like, dang, man, calm down. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. And so he's like, man, cut that out. What's wrong with you? You know, get up. This is ridiculous. You look, you look like a fool down there. Get up. I'm just a person. And so it says, so they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And so uh, verse 28, Peter told them, You know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. I mean, they were serious. He wasn't even allowed to go in their house or associate with these people. But Peter's getting ready to have a revelation to change the world forever. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Like, thank God, man, you know, thank God that he got this startling revelation that we're all equal, that that we're God loves all of us the same and that none of us are in pure, unclean just because we weren't born Jewish or whatever. He has this revelation. And so he talks to all of them. These guys are getting saved and they're like, what? But look at this. Look down here at verse thirty four. Verse 34, after he he witnesses all of them, then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God shows no favoritism. God has no favorites no matter who you are or where you're from or what you've done. God loves you just as much as he loves the cleanest, purest, best Christian that's ever lived. He loves all of us the same. Now, that's hard for human beings to comprehend because we don't love that way. We love some people more than others. Those that deserve it and those that have earned it, they're on our good list. And we have people that are on our naughty list that we don't want to see them in the store. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to hear their name. We don't want nothing to do with them because we love based on emotions. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you're mean to me, watch out because I'm coming at you hard. You know, that's just what humans do, man. We make people earn our love. And so, yeah, we 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 love some people more than others. That's that's how humans are. That that's that's emotional, temporary love with strings attached to it. But the love of God, which will never fully comprehend, Paul said, he said, you can never fully understand it's it's beyond human thinking. But the love of God loves people the same. No matter if they've been good to you or bad to you, no matter if they deserve it or don't deserve it. The love of God just loves everybody the same. No strings attached, unconditional. You can't do anything to make Jesus love you any more than he already does. You can't. That's the love of God. And so Peter gets a hold of this and says, oh, my gosh, I get it now. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. We're all the same. We're all people. Jesus loves everybody. He didn't understand that until now. And this absolutely shocked Peter because this was a life changing thing. And and I'm going to say this. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't have favorites? Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us all the same? Aren't you glad that he gives us chance after chance after chance, even when we don't deserve it? Because, I mean, some people, we do this. We give, you know, hey, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to give you another chance because that's how nice I am. You blow it again, you're out of here. I'm going to fire your behind and you are done. You know, we, we give people so many chances and, and we think, man, I've been really nice. I've given this dude five chances. Are you serious? You know how many chances Jesus has gave you that you did not deserve He's given me like a billion. All right. I mean, I've done some stupid things. And every single time he picks me back up and says, it's all right. Let's give you another chance. Get back in there. Get in the game. Go out there and take another swing at it. That's what Jesus does. And so for us to look at other people and say, man, I know I'm done with that. No. Five chances. I'll never forgive him again. Jesus said, Peter, another instance of Peter. He walks up to him one day and Peter says, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone that offends me? Seven times? he's probably thinking in his mind, seven. That's a good number. That's gonna, this is going to impress Jesus. And Jesus says, man, no, not seven times. Peter, I'm saying 70 times seven. That's how many times you forgive somebody that wrongs you. That's 490 times. 490 times. And so Jesus, and Jesus in my opinion, wasn't putting a cap on it and says, all right, Peter, precisely 490 times. If that man wrongs you 491 times, punch him in the gut and call the cops. No, he didn't say that. Jesus was saying, man, just keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep loving people. Keep forgiving people. No matter what they've done to you, forgive them, Peter, whether they deserve it or not, Peter. Give them another chance. Forgive them. And so I'm glad that Jesus has no favorites. Amen. You know, and I, you know, I, I, am glad, you know, I see some, some people that I think are real knuckleheads. They keep getting all these prayers answered and I'm like, good Lord, him, this guy, you realize how annoying he is? You know, that, that's because I'm a human being and I, you know, people can be annoyed, but, but Jesus, he doesn't, he, he even answers prayers for annoying people. He, he answers prayers not based on how good or how, how, you know, likable you are about how much faith you're using to get the job done. And so Jesus has no favorites. He loves everybody the same. Every single one of us, he gives us chance after chance after chance. So Peter was shocked by this, that Jesus loves everybody the same. Now, another thing that we got to learn from this, too, that I think a lot of people could, you know, stumble into is Jesus isn't going to just answer your prayers because you come from a good Christian family. You know what I mean? Now, some some of us have come from a good Christian families, some have not, whatever. But what I'm saying is, you've got to reach a point in your life where you can't you don't just keep getting yourself in trouble time and time again and saying, Well, Mama or Granny, you're gonna get me out of this one. They'll pray and Jesus will come in and fix the whole situation, I'll be all better. No. You've got to get to a point in time where you start using your faith for yourself. And I had to reach this point in my life because hey, listen. My, my parents' faith got me out of all the sickness and disease and leukemia and being crippled. and all. Yeah, I mean, they just got me out of all kinds of stuff all the time. But I remember I reached a point in my life where I had to finally start, man, I'm going to have to start praying for myself. I'm going to have to start believing this for myself. They can't keep doing this for me all the time. I've got I've to use my faith for myself. I'm a grown-up now. now. I was in college, and I, I started developing some pretty bad lower back problems. I mean, every morning I'd wake up and I just, my back would hurt so bad. And, and I, you know, I was, you know, Hey, mom and dad pray for me, you know, so-and-so pray for me. And just, it wasn't working anymore. It just wasn't happening. So finally, I I get the revelation. Man, you're going to have to get in the Bible yourself. You're going to have to build some faith yourself and pray over this and handle it. Mom and Dad can't keep doing this for you. And so I did that, man. I got some scriptures. I I, I started believing. I started praying. I started confessing. And so the church I went to in Oklahoma, there was this guest preacher in town. And to be completely honest, I couldn't stand the guy. He was insanely annoying. Anyway, that sounds mean, but I'm I'm being real with you. I didn't like this preacher. So, but so one day he, he calls people up and he says is there anybody in here that, that, that has back problems and I'm like oh great him him can, can, get one of the kids from the nursery or something I mean anybody anybody could have had this word from God but this guy great and so I'm like well you know God has no favorites God could use him too I guess so I go up dude prays for me Man, my back was instantly healed and it had been hurting for like a year and it was gone. I've never had back trouble since then. So <laughs> the moral of this story is, is that you've got to start developing and using your own faith. Number two, God can use annoying people. All right. <laughs> it's true. God can use annoying people. But we've got to learn to seek God for ourselves and start reading the Bible for yourself. Listen, you see, I'm, we're, sometimes we see people that get all these prayers and so we're like, man. They've got to be one of God's favorites. Every time they pray, it's no fairy. It? You know, I'm going to throw a little hissy fit, man. Don't be like that. The reason they get all these prayers answered is because they've got faith. They're reading their Bible. They're confessing. They're in church. They're doing the things that God says to do. They may not, you know, be all that, you know, all the time but there anybody can just obey the bible and get the same results it doesn't matter who you are where you're from what family you came from how cool how pretty you know how whatever you are it doesn't matter the bible works the same for everybody that's the great thing about god having no favorites is that this Book right here, the Bible, this will work the exact same for anybody, anywhere. For somebody in Barso, for somebody in India where Julius lives, because God has no favorites. All it takes is somebody opening this up, getting some scriptures, learning them, speaking them, praying them, trusting God. And it works the exact same for anybody, anywhere. It's crazy. You know, I was thinking about this story that Julius tells. We were talking about this in membership class the other day. Because the Bible works the same everywhere. He, he, got, he went down into this village in India. And the whole village, they all got saved. Every single one of them. I mean, you know, several hundred people. They all got saved. And after a while, it became so obvious. They were prospering. They were finally, their crops were doing good. They were finally having money for the first time ever. They weren't getting sick anymore. And things were going so well for them that the government, they came in and said, Okay, I get it. This missionary came in and paid you guys to convert to Christianity. He paid you guys. That's the only way you're doing so well. And so, yeah, you man, you've probably heard Julius tell his story. They came and arrested him and threw him into the Indian jail. And, and he's in there for several days. And, and so the government goes and interviews each and every single person in the village. Did he pay you? Did, where's it at? Where's the money he gave you? And, and all of them are like, no, we just, Jesus has changed our lives. Jesus has changed our lives. And so they ended up letting Julius out of jail. But the truth of the matter is this, is that The Bible works the same everywhere. The same stuff that we're confessing here in America, God supplies all of our needs. They're doing it over there and it works there. The word of God has no cultural or geographic geographical boundaries. It works everywhere because God has no favorites. He loves us all the same, no matter who you are, where you're from, whether you believe in him or not. He loves people that don't even believe in him, just the same as he loves us. It, makes, it probably breaks his heart, makes him sad that they'll refuse to receive what he's given them, but he loves them just the same as all of us. And Jesus has no favorites, so if prayers aren't getting answered, it's not because you're not on his good list or on his, on his favorites list. It's not that. It's not that at all. What I'm going to get to is point number three here, and it's this. Is that Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith. Not according to daddy's faith, mommy's faith, grandma's faith, pastor's faith, Sunday school teacher's faith, every, the church's faith. No. According to your faith. We all have faith. You know, the Bible says that, that he gives each of us the measure of faith. Each of us start off With the exact same amount of faith. Jesus doesn't just say, man, this guy here, I I see potential. We're going to give him a double dose. Hallelujah. No. We all start off with the exact same measure of faith. But some people... They develop that and they do something. They work it out every day, man. They they go to the faith gym and they get huge. And you see, I mean, some people are just they may be, you know, it doesn't matter how big they are physically, but spiritually, man, we've got some giants walking around here. And it's not because God just dumped it all on them. I like them a lot. Just you take it. No, they developed the little bit that they started with, because we all start with just the measure of faith. And so according to your faith, be it done unto you. That's how your prayers get answered. According to your faith, it's done unto you. And so, you know, you may be thinking, well, I have faith, but no, it's God that changes my situation, not my faith. Listen, God does change your situation. It is him, but it takes faith to activate the power of God and to actually get something to happen. Electricity is the power that runs these lights. But, they gotta, but, but the lights themselves got to get plugged in to the power source. And I know a lot of Christians that could be a great shining light, but they just don't ever plug into the power source. They're a dim little, you know, five-watt nightlight in my daughter's bedroom. When they, You know, they could be a, a lighthouse reaching the whole city, but they just never plug into the power source, so nothing good ever happens in their life. If you'll plug in to the power, man... God will do something and everybody everywhere will see the glory of God in your life and say, man, somebody paid him or something. How is he so blessed? I need to get some of that. That's what happens when we plug into the power source. Now, I will notice here in Matthew that, listen, that out of these situations, Jesus, his compassion did fix their needs. His power did fix their needs. But I see a common denominator between the crowd of 5,000 and the 4,000. I see something and what I see is this is that both of these groups were chasing after Jesus. They were seeking Jesus. Yes, he had compassion just like he has compassion on you. But these people, they chased Jesus down. They're like, we're not going to stop till we get him. We're not going to stop until we get a minute with Jesus. And listen, that's going to be the same way we are. Some people, listen, Jesus has compassion, but are you chasing him down? Are you seeking Him? Are you doing what it takes to get a hold of Jesus? Now Hebrews 11:1 says that you've got to believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God doesn't just reward you for sitting on your behind and watching TV and not ever doing anything. Man, please, I see so many people that, man, God just never does nothing for me. Man, it's bad and it's getting worse. I tell you what, right? now, If you think that's bad, wait till you see what's coming. It's getting worse. I've got no money. I'm sick. My kids hate me. This is happening. They, they canceled this, blah, blah, blah. And just complain all the time. Why doesn't God ever do anything about it? Man, because you don't ever do anything about it. You're sitting on your behind watching TV, watching shows you shouldn't even be watching anyway, acting like a fool, and then blaming God because nothing's happening in your life. It's not God's fault. It's never God's fault. we got to look in the mirror and say, listen, what can I be doing different? Because obviously, I know Jesus loves me. I know he cares. It's not that. I know that, that you know, I'm, it's not that I'm one of his favorites or that he doesn't see my problem. He sees it. What's going on here? What can I do to change, to, 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 to get this situation taken care of? But it's never his fault. It, 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 if there's a problem, it's not going to be on his end. It's going to be on our end. And so... These two groups that he had compassion on, they were chasing Jesus down. They were diligently seeking him. And then I look in the book of Acts, the last story I just showed you with Peter. Man, what was happening? This guy that, that, that had this awesome experience, he was seeking after God. You know, Cornelius could have just had the revelation and said, wow, that was weird. Jeez, what did I eat last night? Man, and that, that was weird. I had a vision. That's nuts. But no, he did something about it, and he obeyed what the voice of God said. He sent people. He found Peter. And then because of what Cornelius did, we're sitting in a Christian church in America in 2016. Because if they didn't, if they had only witnessed to Jewish people, listen... I don't know about you. I wasn't born Jew. I would have been out of the club. I couldn't have made it. I couldn't. But thank God that Peter got it. And then Paul got it. And once Paul, Paul was born Jewish. But once he got a hold of this, Jesus is for everybody. This guy went nuts. He went all over the place on boats and on by foot and on donkey and everywhere doing everything he could to preach to anybody and everybody that was breathing air and, 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 and a living human being, man. He went everywhere. And I thank God that he did. So thank you, Lord. And thank you, Cornelius, for sending people to go get Peter because that could have turned out really bad. So according to your faith, be done to you. Matthew chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine, verse twenty seven. Matthew nine I'm going to show you a story here of Jesus, his love, his compassion and his power in action. Him taking care of some people's needs. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, we're going to look at verse 27. We'll read this to the New King James. It says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Their eyes were opened. Jesus warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But there's a few things to learn out of this story here. Why did Jesus ask them, do you believe I can do this? Do you think Jesus was having a moment of low self-esteem and saying, man, I just... Guys, gonna be honest. I need a little support right now. I need, I need, I need somebody to believe in me. I just, I need. It's been a rough day, man. You heard what happened to John and everything. Just some. Can I, can I get, can I get some help here? Does anybody believe in me? And he wasn't doing it for his own benefit. Jesus knew he could heal blind people. Jesus healed blind people every day. This was nothing. So two blind guys. But why did Jesus ask, "Do you believe that I can do this?" Because it had to take their faith plugging into the power the power was there jesus was there just like jesus is here for you today jesus is no less real right now in this room than he was that many years ago he's just as real and he still does all those same things but listen to me he had to see if they believed because it takes faith to get answers to your problems just like it did then just like it does now and so jesus asked them listen I can do this, but do you believe that I can do this? And so they said, yes, we believe. And then, boom, a couple of guys that could not see a thing were instantly healed and were no longer blind. That is an absolute miracle of God. Do you think he could still do that in 2016? Do you think that whatever your problems or your situation is, that Jesus could handle it still? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hebrews thirteen eight says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is just as real right now as he was back then. And it takes the exact same thing to get answers as it did back then. It just takes somebody that will believe in the power of God. He didn't like these guys more than he likes you. These guys just chose to believe that Jesus could do it. Do you believe that Jesus can handle your situation? I I hope so. I, I believe he does. Now, check this out. Jesus doesn't just chase everybody in the world down and fix their problems, whether they want him to or not. Jesus, he's not moved by needs and not moved by problems. He's moved by faith. And so Jesus, if if it was, if just having problems was enough, Jesus would chase everybody down. There'd be no problems in this world whatsoever. There'd be no orphans, no homeless people. There'd be nobody fighting. There'd be no wars. There'd be just everybody. It'd be just one happy little rainbows and ponies. Everybody getting along singing Kumbaya day in and day out. But listen, that's not the way that it works. It takes faith. Jesus is not going to chase you down and say, oh, I see he's got a big old problem. Let me just come down there and fix that right now. Even though he's never asked me, never acknowledged me, never done. No, listen. You've got to call upon the name of the Lord, just like everybody else does. And so having a problem isn't enough. You've got to use your faith to activate the power of Jesus. And so Jesus has the power to back up the promises, but it takes a person's faith to activate it. You've got to believe you've got to trust. You've got to do just what everybody else has always done. And he will come in and he'll fix your situation. But it's not according to your needs, be it done unto you. It's according to your faith, be it done unto you. Now, who in here believes that Jesus wants everybody saved and to go to heaven? Okay, I'm just seeing where you're at. Okay, I believe that he does. In fact, I know that he does. Okay, Second Peter 3, 9 says that he's not willing that any should perish, but he wants everybody to come to everlasting life. But check this out. Does everybody go to heaven? No, we know that. I mean, there's some people that go to hell and it's sad, but I mean, it's it's their choice because they didn't call upon the name of the Lord. So just like Jesus wants everybody to go to heaven, Jesus wants all of your problems fixed. But it's just the same As those people that receive salvation, you've got to call on the name of the Lord. You've got to speak up. You've got to use your faith. You've got to believe. You've got to trust God. And so whenever we're facing something, you can't sit there and say, well, I I just wonder if God maybe just doesn't want to help me in this. Maybe God wants me sick. Maybe God wants, you know, my home to be destroyed. Maybe God wants my kids to hate me. Maybe God wants my family to break apart. Maybe that's part of his master plan somehow. Man, if you think that way, stay away from me. I'm serious, man. Don't get that on me. I don't want nothing to do with that mess. That is nuts. Jesus doesn't want anybody to be like that. Jesus wants our lives. He wants our homes full of the peace and joy and love of God almighty. And anything less than that is not the will of God. God wants you to have an awesome life. He wants you healthy. He wants you provided for. He wants you blessed and joyful and peaceful. And anything less than that is second best. Listen, I want God's best in my life, and I'm not going to let anything happen to stop that. So according to my faith, be it done unto me. According to my faith, I'm going to let this happen. I'm going to use my faith. I remember one time we were in a bad financial situation, and I mean, I need, I needed pretty much I needed a thousand dollars within three days. Pretty bad. And, and so here I am, I've got a little bit of money left to my name. We had a guest preacher coming in town, and, and so, you know, I'm like, well, we, we could sow some seed, but first of all, I got some verses, and so I go to my wife, you guys know my wife, and so, hey, she keeps it real. So I'm like, honey, I'm standing on some, I'm standing on some verses here, you know, I'm saying that, that given shall be given unto us man, that, that we're going to reap what we sow, that God's bringing in the harvest. And she's like, that's great, honey. I, I believe for harvest. Have we sown any seed? I'm like, oh, dang, about that. Um, well, I guess not. And as foolish as that is, you can't claim harvest if you haven't planted any seed. That's stupid. Man, you got to plant seed. You can't just go out to the field out there or whatever and say, man, I'm claiming corn in the name of Jesus. Corn come forth now. You know? That's dumb. Have you planted any seed? Have you planted any corn seed for that? Then you're not going to get nothing. You reap what you sow. You sow nothing, you reap nothing. And so here I am in this situation. I'm like, okay, so here, So I mean... just gave everything we had because what I had wasn't enough to fix my problems anyway. So I just, boom, take it all, Lord. And put it in the offering. Man, it didn't take long at all for me to get a harvest because God's word works. And I released my faith. It says, according to your faith, be it done unto you. So I put everything I had in there and I said, it's coming and it better come quick. It better come quick, Lord. And so the next day, man, I get this random check from the insurance company for 500 bucks. I'm like, what? 500 bucks like a good neighbor state farm is there hallelujah so i mean i take that sucker i march down to boa and i I put that in the next day somebody calls me man we got like a couple hundred dollars worth of groceries we want to give to you could you receive that i receive hallelujah bring it in man feed all those kids of mine man kids put this in your mouth eat all right then the next day top it all off man I get another random check that I did not see coming from anywhere for over 10 times the amount that I gave. I mean, God didn't double me up or triple me. He 10 times me up, whatever that is. And I'm telling you, I had plenty to go around. I mean, it was awesome. But if I had never released my faith. I'd still be sitting on the couch crying. My God, i need money by Wednesday. I mean, it would have been bad. I would have been sitting there and nothing would have happened. But it's according to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith. I couldn't ask mom and dad to pray. I couldn't ask you guys. I needed to release my faith. And God came through in a big way because God has no favorites. I can be annoying sometimes, but God loves me anyway. It doesn't matter How I am, because God has no favorites. Can I get an amen? All right. I want to show you one last story. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I mean, I'm not saying I'm that annoying. I know a lot of people here that are... Some of you guys are a lot worse off than me, but... I have had moments... Mark chapter 10, we'll look at verse 46. Mark 10, verse 46. This is a, one of my favorite Bible stories of a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bart, as we call him. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 46. And so, uh, this guy, he's in a bad situation. It says, when they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, just like everywhere. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's just yelling and yelling and yelling because nobody else was helping him. And here finally comes the only one that could help him. So, yeah, I'm going to yell a little bit. But look at this. Be quiet. Many of the people yell at him. They're like, Man, be quiet. You're making a fool of yourself. Shut up. But look at this. But he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And listen, sometimes you're shouting out to Jesus and people are saying, would you shut up, man? Listen, if you say that to me and I'm in a desperate situation and Jesus is in the room, I'm I'm just to make you mad. I'm going to shout ten times louder. I'm going to shout, Jesus, have mercy. All right. I don't you know what I mean? You're not going to stop me. And so everybody else is saying, man, you look shut up. Just quit it. You look stupid, man. You're out here every day dressed like a bum, begging shut up. And he's like, no, you guys, you've never helped me. You can't help me. Here's the one that could actually do something. I am going to shout at the top of my lungs until I either pass out or Jesus does something. And so he shouts louder and louder and louder. And look at this. When Jesus heard him, yeah, Jesus heard him. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. So you, know, you got what you wanted. I hope you're happy now, Bart. Get out there. And so they, you know, he got Jesus' attention. And so here he is. They kick Bart out to Jesus. Go go on, get what you need. And so, verse 50, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. He's like, here I go. So he throws it off and comes to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. What a Jesus, what kind of question is that? What do you think he wants you to do for him? He's blind. That Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you, Bart? What is it that you want? I'll, whatever you need. I'm going to do it right now. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. Bart could have asked for anything at this moment. Jesus said, what do you want? I'm going to do it for you right now. You just tell me. He could have said anything. He said, Jesus, I want a better spot beside the road. So when I beg, I'll get more money. Jesus, I want more people to feel sorry for me. Jesus, could you give me a bigger cup? Maybe like a bowl for my from collecting the, the coins or something. Jesus, could, could you just could you have people be nice to me? He could have asked for anything. Jesus, could I get some anything? But he didn't want none of that. He wanted to be healed. He said, Rabbi, teacher, savior, I want to see. I don't want to be like this anymore. And think about that. Think about the courage that it took to ask for that. Here's a man that blind his whole life. If he could have just asked Jesus for money or a handout, I mean, that would have been great. Jesus would have done it. Boom. Here you go. You ask for money, take it. But no, he didn't want that. He wanted to see. He was going to have to go out now. He was going to have to learn how to work. He was going to have to learn a, a skill or a trade. He was going to have to learn how to get by in life, interacting with other human beings. He could have asked for a handout and been done with it and gone away. That coat that he wore, those were government-issued, man. That was his ticket to beg. If you had a blind coat, you could beg for money and they wouldn't do anything to you. But notice the first thing that he does. Jesus said, all right, come on over here. Boom, the coat is off. He throws it and he runs to Jesus because he knows my life is getting ready to change right now. I got a hold of Jesus. He threw that coat away before Jesus had ever said a word to him. What a step of faith to say, I'm never going to need this again. My life's about to change. Take it. I don't want it anymore. He throws that coat aside and and even before Jesus had said a single word to him, because he had faith. According to your faith be done unto you. Are you willing to throw that coat aside? Are you willing to just say, you know what? I'm not going to need this anymore. Jesus is healing me. Jesus is fixing this situation. Jesus is restoring my marriage. Jesus is fixing my family. Jesus is bringing the kids home. Jesus is going to do it. I don't need this bunch anymore. I don't need these people telling me to shut up. They've never done a thing for me. I don't need you old friends. I don't need any of you. I need Jesus. And so he shouted, Jesus answered, Jesus said, what do you want? I'll give you whatever you want right now. You just say the word. I'm going to do it right now. He said, Rabbi, I want to see. I never want to be blind another second of my life. I want to change. I want to, I want to get out there with everybody else. I want to be like everybody else. Jesus, do this for me. And so Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Hallelujah. Notice, notice here that Jesus didn't say, Bart, my powers have healed you. Hallelujah. And they did. But he said, Bart, listen to me. Your faith has just healed you because you believed in me. You had problems, man. You had big problems. But because you trusted me, your life has changed. Boom. Take this. And Jesus healed him. And notice, I love the last part of that. He followed Jesus down the road. I know a lot of people that get their miracle, then they just go off and leave Jesus and the church behind them. Whatever, you know, hey, I got what I needed. Sorry for everybody else. But that wasn't good enough. Bartimaeus was so thankful and loved Jesus so much that after he got what he wanted, after Jesus changed his life, he's like, where else do I have to be? I'm going to follow Jesus. (laughs) I'm going with you, man. And that's where we need to be. So the point of everything today is this. Is your needs are obvious to Jesus, but he's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? He knows what you need, but what do you want? He knows that you need healing. He knows that you need peace, but do you want it? Do you want to ask him for it? Jesus knows what you need. He's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? I know you need this, but if you don't want it, I'm not going to do that to you. If you don't want healed, I'm not going to heal you. Just, that's fine. If you, if you don't want me to, to you know, restore this relationship, if you don't want to walk away from this and come over to what I have for you, that's, that's fine. I'm not going to make you do it. But what do you want from me right now? That's what he's asking us. And for people that will rise up and say, Jesus... I want to throw this old life away, man. I want to throw that coat away. I don't want to live like a beggar anymore. I don't want to live begging for mercy and relying on people feeling sorry for me. No, I don't want that anymore. Jesus, help me. I believe in you. I'm calling on you. Come fix me, Jesus. And if you'll do that, he will come in and he will do it. He will rock your world to the core. If you'll stand up and believe him. So it's this, Jesus never said, according to your needs or your problems, be it done unto you. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I want you to learn how to really seek God for your answers. I don't want you to rely on everybody else. I want you to learn how to seek God and not just wait around hoping that someone or that Jesus will feel sorry for you, but having the confidence knowing the Bible says this, I'm going to believe it, and God's going to make it happen every single time. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up there today. We're going to call.